Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Star, HD underscore star on Twitter. Joined as always by my friends and co-host and the Pants Party official snowbird. Ben Ross, Renboss23, Harmon Chillabrew himself. How are you doing? I'm not south of the border. I'm not near the border yet. Chicago did get its first snowfall on Sunday and then quite a bit today. Um, so, yeah, time to, time to go. Feeling my bones. And I say this as someone who, like, when, I'm probably in the 1%. Like, I like the winter. I like snow. I like, I like cold weather. But <clears throat> my parents... They got a nice place for me to stay. I already got golf lessons booked. I I got some new hiking boots. Gonna try and do some actual desert hiking out there. It's time. I'm just so bored uh, alone in Chicago that I decided I'd rather just get a one way. Literally, I got a one way ticket. When's the last time you got a one way ticket down to Arizona? Down to Arizona specifically, never. No, um, just in general. But yeah, I, and I got general, a one way. T- I got a one way ticket when I went there last February too. It makes a ton of sense. Like, I mean, your parents are just—they've got it for you. I I would do the same thing if I didn't have five hundred other things keeping me in Arkansas. Well, and by like five hundred things, I mean yeah. Elliot oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the dog. Actually, the dog probably. Okay. Having to uh, pay that uh, doggy daycare fee is never fun when you get back from from a trip. But I do want to dissect this a little bit, Ben. One, the one way ticket. How do you have an intention for how long you're going to stay there? Yeah, you. I think I was going to push back. I, I don't know what you the exact term you just used, but you said it was a good idea. It's actually not a good idea. I I got dazzled. I got I got bait and switched by Southwest. It was a forty nine dollar fare out there. Which is, I mean, truly great. And then I was looking at the dates that I'm likely going to to leave Arizona and for Chicago, and I'm going to be spending roughly three hundred dollars on one of those tickets. The way I look at it, though, three fifty round trip is kind of part of the course, anyways. And I'm getting you know free free luggage and everything. And I'm actually going to leave my golf clubs and like hiking stuff down there anyway. I think so I'm going to be doing this again in January slash February. But that the intention, I think I got like an email two months ago about $49 fares and Phoenix was on there. And uh, it was uh, the week before Thanksgiving was obviously the cheaper one. And so it was sort of a no-brainer then. I'm a little surprised you're just not 
hunkering down and going all the way through until March or whenever. But you, you're probably going to get kicked out by your parents at some point. <clears throat> well, I've got like activities in Chicago I don't want to miss. Like Chicago's fun for Christmas. I've got oh like, yeah, friend Christmas parties engagement parties um none of my friends listen to this i've got surprise surprise birthday parties (laughs) that their that their wives and girlfriends have planned um so there's just like i've got a social calendar to keep up and also like i don't i i you know i I can't spend that much time with my mom and dad and my sis my sister and brother-in-law and niece will be joining us next week for thanksgiving and all that too Okay. Okay. Yeah, I went to the what Chris Kindle Market is that is that the thing in Chicago that's yeah you got downtown I think yeah it's a t- it's the thing well, that nobody who lives here goes to. Well, I don't care. I was a tourist that day. Fine, I'm always fair. a tourist yeah. when I when I'm in Chicago. That was fun. We still have the little mug that we got the the wine. What's it? Gruel wine. Gruel gruel wine. Glue vine. Glue vine. There Glue it is. Vine. There it is. It's it's so popular. They made a second one. There's like, I don't know if you ever since the Ricketts's Disneyfied Disney fied Wrigleyville. There's like this big empty courtyard in front of Wrigley Field now that used to be you know bars, and they have a Chris Kindle market there now in the winter too. I haven't been and never will go, but you know they've gentrified that idea too. The Ricketts will never have my money. That's all I have to say. I'm I'm never going to a Cubs game ever again. I don't. We can get into this if we want, but I I've always I've always hated the Cubs to begin with since I moved here, and I think Wrigley Field is is a dump, and I have no nostalgia towards it, so it does absolutely nothing yes. for me. Yes. So and like Wrigley Field, the Wrigley Vale is just horrible. Like when I say Disneyfication, I mean that in the most derogatory term possible. Of that 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 area stinks now. You know what sucks though is like there is nothing as good a, about Wrigley. The one defining feature of Wrigleyville, which was like angry twenty-two to twenty-five year olds. So, so you're telling me that's gone, or or is that still there? No, they're all still there, but they're not. They're not getting pissed drunk at a local bar. They're getting pissed drunk at you know a beef O'Brady's equivalent. They're getting <laughs> getting pissed drunk at. Uh, a sterile Instagrammable Instagrammable bar with seven dollar Miller lights and like uh, they're they're like they're, you, you just can't be dr- you can't be pissed drunk without somebody putting your phone in your face there anymore you know all that is happening the, all the bars have no character all the bars are it's just all you know corporate owned lettuce on you know the, the whatever whatever conglomerate owns Buffalo Wild Wings type of type of stuff. Like the Taco Bell there serves booze, which is fine. A lot of a lot of Taco Bells nowadays serve booze, but that's just the vibe. Ah, fantastic, fantastic. What what else did you do this weekend, Ben? Uh what did I do Friday night? Friday night, Friday night. Oh, got some went out. Um, <clears throat> one of my friends who just recently had an engagement party. He wanted to. Takes one of us out. I don't know. Did that. They were all, all of my friends and one were either married or in serious relationships. So they were all, we closed it down at 10 and I was like ready to keep on drinking. Cause I had a cold brew at four and I was like, I, 
I never ever drink coffee that late. I just try not to. But I was I was absolutely I was dragging ass on Friday. So I had a cold brew at four, and like I didn't have nearly enough beers between dinner between cold brew and dinner to go to bed at a reasonable hour. So I went. There was a there was a bar near me where I've made some friends with some some regulars there, and I had a couple of nightcaps, and then still got to bed at a D. I think I was still in bed by midnight. Did a hit class Saturday morning, and then there's a pretty great bar I really like that has super underrated pizza in Chicago. And I met, met my very close couple friends of mine uh, who are married and watched the morning, the early afternoon games and the Iowa game there. That's delightful. That's delightful. Mm-hmm. I'm, it was nice. I, I, I'm trying to think because Christina, this was, this was like a coup de gras for me is when Christina will have one of her friends in town. And then she's like, Oh, we're gonna go out tonight, and I say yes. That's fantastic. Now I can watch college football unencumbered, and what a day it was! What a day it was! Uh, it was the I think the I think Saturday was I think Saturday was the best day we've had all year of games. I, I I really think so, just because it was so weird. Like you had the Arkansas LSU game that I was watching a fair amount of, mm-hmm. um, and then. The Texas Kansas game, which I thought you, as as always, wrote very well uh, about that in terms of just like what would it actually? What's the Iowa equivalent of losing to Kansas, and is it possible? Well, we might find out. It might be possible this weekend. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, the thing that's incredible about Texas and Kansas is like there's. No situation I can ever envision like Iowa going down 35 to 14, like Texas did against Kansas, against almost any team, almost any team, as early as that happened, because it's in the middle of the first half. Obviously, it's happened before and it'll happen again, but uh, in the middle of the first half to a team like Kansas, no. But then what, what were the other games? It was the the, the Michigan-Penn State was That's what one. I was going to say. That was a good one. James Franklin, James Franklin all over the place with <clears throat> fake field goals and fake punts and all that jazz. And I don't really think Michigan's all that good because I definitely don't think Penn State's all that good. So, But it's still a close enough game. Um, the bar we the bar I went to where we watched that game was actually like is a Michigan bar, but nobody – it was a different one, different than the other Michigan bar I went to uh, for the Iowa for, – for a different game, for a different day this year. <laughs> Um, that but, the Michigan brunch place that you yeah. sent me a picture of. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Different bar than that. Just not. Um, not is just a really nice, good bar. Uh, but it wasn't super rowdy. There was a table of Penn State fans. So I will. I, I don't want to say what they were wearing, but it was bad. Um, and they were they were being very rude to the Michigan fans, and I was very. I became friendly with Michigan fans and our shared hatred. For, towards the Penn State folks, so I made some friends there. Michigan fans in general, I was thinking about this, are pretty okay. You know, I know you've, you're, yeah. I know yeah. you're, you've got the stereotype because your brother went there and all that, and so you're, you're a pseudo fan. But like, I was thinking about it. They're Michigan fans across the board usually are also like greater college football fans in general. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, if I meet a Wisconsin fan. It's their it's their girlfriend. They're all because if they're from Wisconsin, it's all I'm serious. It's all the they're, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Packers first. So Wisconsin yeah. football is just their girlfriend because they all got they all got the Packers. 
then gophers it's like the redheaded stepchild because they have they have the vikings or more importantly the the the, the high school hockey team where they went to <laughs> <laughs> takes precedent <clears throat> um and then like ohio state yeah obviously but they're kind of like ohio state is, in my view is like oh there's other teams it's kind of like and and this is kind of how notre dame is too i i feel like i met a lot of notre dame fans it's like Notre Dame fans think that other colleges were created to compete against Notre Dame. Like, oh, that's incredible. They think that each each team was born and bred that very week in a simulation, and like there is no college football season in a season in a vacuum outside of Notre Dame, which is funny because like Notre Dame quietly only has one loss still, and like they could still get in the playoff. I don't think they will, but I'm not prepared for that. Yeah. I really don't want that to happen. And it'd be actually the perfect because they want they lost one game last year and they made it to the playoff because they won a championship because they won a conference championship. Uh, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna also lose one game this year, but they won't get in because they won't be playing in a conference championship. So I think they'll see that and finally learn the error of their ways. Yeah, I mean i I stand Michigan fans. They have their quirks because I think they're as East Coast. Uh, Big Ten school pre uh, pre expansion. Um, a lot of folks from New York City, DC, etc. And that's not a shot, but it, it's more a a. It's just a description, I think, because like they they come from those more metropolitan areas, so they're Michigan fans by going there and they have a wider view of the landscape as you mentioned in terms of like college football writ large again very narrow view from my perspective but I've always had pretty good interactions with Michigan fans uh, especially even when I've gone there as an Iowa fan it's cordial that they they look at you a little funny but but they're nice to you which I think is all you can expect all you can hope for when you're going anywhere as a a uh, opposing fan. I, I would not expect that at Michigan State. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess I haven't really met. I've worked I've worked with a Michigan State fan, and he was very diehard Michigan State. But I guess Michigan State was also kind of his girlfriend because he's a diehard Bears guy. You know, a lot of yeah. Michigan State, mostly Michigan State people I've met, I think, are from – Chicago land. I don't know if I've ever met a Michigan state or from the state of Michigan. I have, I have <clears throat> my coworkers. She's actually very nice, but Oh, two. All right. Now I have to stop counting because I'm going to end up, I'm, I'm going to count to like mm-hmm. 40 in, in mm-hmm. the next hour. Um, so that was our weekends and it was centered around, unfortunately the Iowa Minnesota game. And I think, where else is not there unfortunate, to start, but not, the un, end of the not game. unfortunate, not unfortunate. Seven wins in a row. I mean, you're right. A win, a win's right. a win, which I think is what we touted all year. But the over underlying theme is, and I saw many commenters express this before I even could, was that there is still a, I was winning, and we're still mad. It's just, it, 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 I I saw the comments Saturday night, like just kind of climbing up. And then again on Sunday morning, I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait. I'm just not gonna go into it this weekend. If anything aggressive's happening, I'll, 
deal with it on Monday or whatever. But it's just weird because, like, I think what it ultimately comes down to for me is one of my the greatest moments as a Hawkeye fan was being in the stadium 2015, the blackout against Minnesota when Iowa got to 10 and 0. I still have that newspaper from the Gazette somewhere that I need to find. Um, but I have it and it was capped off by a 50 yard touchdown that LaShawn Daniels had to go up 40 to, I think 40 to 28 at the time. And what cracked me up is he probably should have gone down at the two or three yard line so they could kneel it out. But he didn't. He scored the touchdown because you know what's fun, Ben? Scoring touchdowns. And I think the only... The thing that bothers me most is not that they only came away with a field goal. It's that you put all the eggs in the basket of third down with a play that really didn't look like it was trying to score a touchdown. That's what you did to try and score. And that's why it leaves such a weird taste in the mouth because, you know, defense does its job and now Iowa has a chance to capitalize on it. And it's not what the next, I guess, punctuate it. And they don't do it with an exclamation point. They do it with a question mark almost. And it's like, there are so many times these games just end with question marks and frustration. And I don't mean like question mark, oh, should I have won? We'll get into that in a little bit. But just not much certainty. It's just like, just go for it. There's no crime in going for it. That's that's ultimately where I come down to. Like, I didn't even want anything creative. I just wanted them to try and score three times. I wanted a toss to the right with Tyler Goodson. That's what I wanted. That's literally, <laughs> oh, nice. all, I, that's literally all I wanted. A toss to the right on the long side of the field. I wanted Tyler Goodson in space because <clears throat> the, the he wasn't doing super good, just running, just doing super well, just running in between the tackles during the game. He had some. Uh, yeah, he had two. I think yards of two runs of over ten yards. I went for first downs <clears throat> in that in that scenario, but I just wanted you know Goodson to get a touchdown. I. The, the frustrating thing is, like, Kirk said explicitly that they weren't trying to score on the first play yes. with Padillo. And, in, I mean, that's clear as day. The offensive line didn't block anybody. And Padillo was, like, grounding the ball like they were trying to set up a field goal. <clears throat> but I don't think he explicitly said that he was scared of a fumble, which has to be his thinking, right? His thinking was he wanted Fleck to use the timeout, which is – it is an – asinine defense well he but he it, got he got he got that to happen after the, the after the first play right? it was the second one i thought it was the second, second one that, okay. that that they did yeah how are you like played it well which coach on planet earth equates one timeout to six points or seven points even <laughs> like who does it how, I how mean, does <laughs> how does one timeout equal a nine point lead with under a minute to go, with Tanner Morgan as the opposing quarterback, the the I brought the fumble because I just at the time at least I think they they must be scared of the fumble. Well, I think that's stupid for two reasons: one, I for Kelly Martin isn't playing, and two, 
You think Tanner Morgan is going to go 98 yards with one timeout or less in, in under a minute? And uh, you uh, and you can't think that and also put your defense in the crazy position you put it in. Yeah. The the the, the logical fallacies to the thinking of the coaching uh, you know we 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 I harped on them pretty good. We talked about them a lot last week and I think we're going to have to talk about them again because that's what's where the buck stops and starts. Yeah, I mean as I've said here, I think, and elsewhere, I the the value statement on Iowa football is winning full stop. It is about getting to the end of the season and looking back and being like, oh, that was a nine-win season. Oh, that was a ten-win season, etc. It's not about enjoying it in the moment over the course of the season. Have there been enjoyable moments? Yes. Did some of them occur on Saturday? Of course. Charlie Jones, absolute delight. Playing his tail off. Keegan Johnson, a once in a lifetime type of play that we've seen out of him two or three times already where he'll looks dead to rights behind the line of scrimmage and he's able to take the ball for a touchdown. Enjoyable plays. But can we just not like punctuate these things with an exclamation point? Is that too much to ask to like, okay, this this is a an eight-win team that feels like an eight-win team versus this is an eight-win team that feels like a team that is just constantly getting lucky. And we've discussed before how part of this, when it works well, when it's Kirk Ferentz and his system, it's like the finely tuned machine. You get the IU result. You get the Iowa State result. You get wins that yardage, ugly, ugly, ugly. But you look at that points column and you and you blew out an opponent. Can it feel like, oh, when you kind of get by the skin of your teeth and then add a little extra dirt on top of the coffin. I mean, it's a little bit of a morbid way to put it, but it's like, it was there for the taking and to, to not try your damnedest to get it. It just, it just blows my mind. Like the logic, as you said, is so rot with inconsistency that I simply do not understand it because the squib kick was bad. Like, do we want, like, that's what bugged me as much as anything. That gave Minnesota its best field positions of the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, yeah. Kirk, I think Kirk has talked about the only analytics he's ever talked about embracing is about kickoff, kickoff and and the way he decides between kicking off and deferring. <laughs> it's like if you're reading those analytics, they all say kick it through the end zone, right? Yeah. I haven't seen a squib kick in the NFL or college in years. That, really? Not in that situation. Not in that situation. Well, yeah. So much, so much can go bad because, because um, I get flashbacks to a Green Bay, New England Sunday night football game where the up back, which was this offensive lineman, takes the ball like seventy yards to the five yard line. I remember that. that. It wasn't Matt Flynn, the quarterback for Green Bay, in that yeah. game. Yes, I remember yeah, I, that. I think so. Yes. Like, it, it, like. That could have happened, but I think... Well, didn't they Minnesota... kick it to the guy who burned Matt Hankins? 
isn't Co- I think Coquif is the guy who who recovered it. Yeah, and, and what's crazy is like I, PJ Fleck is somehow more conservative than Kirk Ferentz, and I, maybe that's just how we continue to talk about this game because at every point where he could be hyper conservative or like nominally aggressive, he almost always took the hyper-conservatism, including that. every and, and I think that's part of why Iowa squibbed it the way they did. Made him burn two time out, or two seconds, which, whatever, two seconds for four yards. I looked at it, and it's like, okay, that's not as bad as I remember it on, on Saturday night. But every time, he doesn't return kicks. He doesn't do anything. He just takes what's given. And it's kind of incredible to watch a coach play even more conservatively than Kirk Ferentz, especially you've lost these games as a university six straight years as you've harped on this season, Ben. And I think rightly so every coach that has gone up against Kirk Ferentz who hasn't won so far still has not won against Kirk Ferentz. I think that's what four or five coaches now. And they just, overthink themselves into fits I think because like where Kirk Ferentz overthinks himself is to two or three degrees but Fleck on Saturday was like five like uh, tenfold above what Kirk Ferentz was doing like I don't know how that very first drive inside the 10 yard line you don't try and punch it in on fourth down because worst case as we had described with with the Iowa flip side you're putting a, a first-time starter at the with 98 yards to go. You, you think you're going to stop him? You should be able to stop him. There is no doubt in my mind that if Minnesota went, there are there are at least two fourth and short situations throughout the game. They went for at least one of just one of them. I think they would have gotten both. I truly do. What makes you think? That I was going to stop them. They didn't stop the running game at all. They didn't stop their four-string running back. Granted, you know, he was a four-star, but still, <laughs> true freshman makes me wonder, like, why? And he also had offers from Iowa, by the way, um, the, the Irvin character. But, like, truly, like, I, I put I put a screenshot of the Minnesota newspaper columnist in my <laughs> rankings. And sorry if you can hear this car going off behind me. Um that's city living, baby. But city living. But if you substitute, you could change out the names Fleck for Ference and you know Padilla for Morgan, and <laughs> move some stats around. It's you're making the exact same argument, conservative arguments about the two coaches, and one of those coaches won the game. So Fleck just tried to out Ference, Ference, and nobody, nobody wins that game. I, I think actually. Like, when we talk about who out Ferentz is Ferentz, this is actually maybe an interesting question. But, like, is it is it a list of zero? And the, the answer, the reason I ask that question is because do we think Chris out Ferentz is Ferentz? No, because Chris fucking... He, he changes things up with his offensive formations, with his jumbo packages. And Chris would have Chris would have put – I still don't know why. Well, I guess I do know why this year, but I don't know why, don't know why in past years. We saw Chris put, you know, seven down offensive linemen or put 
two offensive linemen in a jumbo package in, in the backfield to block for the running back. Why? I don't know why we've never seen. I don't think we've ever seen that once, but no, we got the fucking wildcat, which is gone. Which has been put in a drawer, by the way, for the past four games, five games, I think. I don't know the last time we saw that, which is fine. I'm not calling for it, but it's just interesting that we saw it and now we haven't seen it since, uh, since we last saw it. Um, no, because Chris is sort of, I mean, Wisconsin's won six games in a row. They were they started the season one and three, right? Or one and two. They started yeah, they started the season one and one three. One three. Yeah. And they've won six our fa- in a row. Our favorite joke. Which was what? Yeah. I mean, Graham Mertz. He he oh, was yeah. our favorite pun- punchline. Yeah. Cred- credit. They they figured that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's I don't I, I'm not smart enough to say whether or not he's turning a corner or something. I think it might be a reflection of them. They, they found a running back in their room and they've, you know, just sort of played subpar competition. Cause that's, you know, the big 10 West baby, but <clears throat> no, I, I, I mean, I would listen. One-to-one trade, Christopher Ferentz, I'm taking Chris. Come on. It's a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing with Chris is he at least pretends to understand the quarterback position. And I think that, it, and it goes further than that, because the guy played quarterback at Wisconsin, you know, close to 30 years ago, if my memory suit, suits me well. The other person I was thinking that's obvious who doesn't out Ference Ference is Jeff Brom. That man uses all of Iowa's best uh all of Iowa's strategies against them in the most infuriating fashion. That's not out Ferencing Ferenc. Um, and then the other one, and I think that this is why it's a little apropos. I guess, does Franklin out Ferenc Ferenc? He has so much talent, it's irrelevant. Um, when he beats Iowa, which hasn't been for two or three years, and they're off the schedule next year, thank God. Um, but then we come to Brett Bielema. And he's not someone who outferences Ferentz. He's someone who outfoxes Ferentz. And I think that that is what's concerning. Maybe we don't go get into Illinois right away, but like thinking about how do you beat Ferentz? You don't beat it by outferencing him. You beat it by outfoxing him. And uh, I, I think that that ultimately is what did Fleck in, which is what did. Um, Campbell in, which is, I mean, a lot of things did Tom Allen in. Uh, But, like, you just kind of go down the line, and if you try and play Iowa style, you have to try and still cut a couple corners to to put it in your favor. I mean, Franklin doesn't out Ferentz Ferentz, because Franklin, I think, exclusively recruits athletic quarterbacks, which Kirk Ferentz just sees as a black mark on the sport of football. Bielma, <clears throat> I don't know what I, I don't know how to compare him. I think he he does outfox him for sure, and that's why I'm so nervous for Saturday. Just because all season long, and you mentioned it, I've been harping. It's been five. Co- I was five and zero against coaches who are over against Kirk Ferentz so far this year, and I I actually don't know what the head to head is between Kirk and Brett, but I know it's not good. Has, Kirk, has like, Kirk ever beat Bert? Oh, in 25th. Was, no, was he the coach in 2015? No. Yeah, I, so I has Kirk ever beat like Bert? 2008 and 2009. 
might have been the last mm, two times yeah. Iowa beat yeah beat that's Wisconsin right. with with Brett Bielema as the head coach. So before um, my fandom, I've never seen yeah. Eric Ferentz beat Brett Bielema in twelve years of Iowa footballing myself. Ah, uh, sad time, sad time. Are there are there any? I guess final thoughts that 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 you want to discuss it, it, we probably it would be be silly if we left this without talking about Alex Padilla in his first start yep that's, that's exactly what I was going to say and it's fine we we be but however he had two really bad passes dropped that were pretty easy interceptions <laughs> right like somebody was yeah. saying and I didn't want to really get into this but somebody was saying like what does Petrus have that Padilla does, and it was like, well, I don't think we've seen Petrus really just completely throw it into. He doesn't generally throw it right into the chest of somebody wearing a different color jersey, and maybe that's part of the reason why we haven't seen Padilla because Kirk is so risk averse. I think that'd be the yeah. easiest thing to point to is if Padilla's throwing interceptions left and right in practice. Yep. Then what's he going to be doing? Which I don't know if that's what he's doing, by the way. But both uh, both of his passes were bad. And very lucky that Minnesota's defensive backfield, those, those D-backs are even better. Yeah, I think the Petrus stuff is, he has some of those passes that, because he has so much uh, heat on him, I think they get dropped. But he's up to what now? 12 interceptions on, on his two seasons, if yeah, me. Th- but four were against Purdue this year, and three of those. Yeah, were, were, I'll blame. I'm gonna blame those three on Kirk. Yeah, because uh, he he was chasing his tail on those. Um, the the Padilla stuff I think is interesting because you or I didn't notice a lot different than past Iowa teams. This year, I noticed a lot different, right? Um, but it seemed like very much the bread and butter of what Iowa would like to do in terms of rolling out their quarterback to both directions, left and right. Um, he's got some good pocket presence. He he doesn't escape more than he should, I think, which is probably something that... Uh, might be a default for a quarterback who's a little more mobile in his first start. And the other thing that was interesting, when you mentioned the CJB start against Purdue, you know, it was the type of stat line that wasn't necessarily clean from a uh, completion percentage standpoint, also under 50%. But when you kind of peel away the incompletions and look at, oh, he threw for like 250 yards that day. Padilla completed 11 passes for over 200 yards. And yes, one of them was a 72-yarder to Charlie Jones, and one of them was the Keegan Johnson one. But it seemed like Iowa was really pushing the ball down the middle in that kind of middle area between like the the 5 and uh, 10-yard line and letting the playmakers go and do a little more with it because – you know, that, that that was intriguing to me. And I think the fact that he's able to throw to his left and throw to his right, um, it it allows, it makes it harder to defend him. I mean, just flat out, you, you can't run to a spot and try and sack him. And I think the, Iowa's 
given up 2.6 stats sacks per game, including the last two. And there were, he didn't get sacked in either instance, or maybe just once against Northwestern. So where he has strengths, he's maximizing them. And where he has weaknesses, I think you want to maybe not be quite so confident with some of those throws. Um, But hopefully the two almost interceptions are not held against him because he's an an exciting player. And, And I think that sometimes just being different enough and what Iowa would be eight and two if he started every single one of these games. I kind of think so, but uh, maybe they, they win two different ones and lose two different ones. Who knows? Yeah. I think it's a little bit silly. I like sort of led <clears throat> with two things that didn't happen with the interceptions, but I, <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I do think it, there's just like sort of a little bit of truth ring to his performance. He was good. Uh, Ryan did roll him out to his left on third down throws, I think twice. Like, what the hell? Um, the no sacks is big. I don't know. I, he, we never saw him take off and run, which a little bit surprising, like you said, for a quarterback in his first start, which maybe that's a good thing that he didn't have sort of the happy feet jitters um, for that. He, um, he, I mean, he put some balls on a rope. The the ball to that Regani, like, eventually fumbled was, like, an incredible pass and put mm-hmm. in a place where only Regani could get it and wasn't a, a bullet that maybe Stanley or Petrus might have thrown in the past. Um, yeah, same thing. I do think I was still 8-2 if we start Padilla um, this whole year. I think the floor stays roughly the same with Padilla as quarterback, and the ceiling is maybe – a foot higher. I don't know. We'll, we'll know more against, you know, these next two games, I guess. Um, if he can finish off a 10 win regular season, I mean, that's, that's, that's exciting. We would be ecstatic. Although like none of those 10 wins would be against ranked teams. I think, um, which is funny. Oh, at the end of the season, at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, truth ring between his performance and, and Morgan's too. Like, he threw he threw a, a nice two hundred and six yard game. You take out Charlie Jones's seventy six yard touchdown. What, yeah. What's, what's two hundred six minus seventy two? Uh, what one one thirty four? Yeah, it's like yeah. But like you can't do. I guess I mean you can't. Sure, you can't do that. But also, why not? You can. And like same with Tanner Morgan. He had a hundred hundred eighty three yard game, but sixty eight of those yards came on a similar <laughs> stupid pass. I think it might have been the exact same route. Charlie or no, Altman Bell was just sort of a, a go route, but Charlie Jones had a really nice fake um, the double move on his on his run. Um, truly, I think he probably should be MVP of that game. Um, <clears throat> but yep. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be. I like uh, you know, and also you know the other touchdown, Keegan Johnson. I mean, another crazy call, like you said, a once-in-a-lifetime play that Keegan Johnson executed. Just back-to-back plays, I think, on that drive, Brian got bailed out. I think Tyler Goodson had the 15-yard run for a first down that was called on third a third-down draw, like a play that never should have worked, and it did. And then I think two plays later was a Keegan Johnson where he got gobbled up and found just the smallest bit of daylight to, to get out of there. Uh, Brian Ferentz, the man addicted to the frickin' tunnel screen. He called it three times, and then a fourth time he tried the fake one where 
One out of ten plays, essentially, was was the tunnel screen or tunnel screen equivalent. God love him. Uh, I think the final thing worth discussing out of this, I don't really want to get into the defense. The defense... Here's the thing about the defense. The defense had their bogey, and the offense made up for it. I, I think that that... How many times does the de- the offense have a bogey that the defense makes up for? The, the You know, uh, Iowa came out on top. But I think the funniest thing about that game was how all the Iowa f- players seem to just mosey over to Floyd or Rosedale. They're so used to it. The excitement was there, but maybe not visible the thing with the defense is like i think they played really well in the second half the tackling in the first half was as bad of tackling i can remember in the in the first half and in the second half they really cleaned it up i think they they had at least two sacks um in the second half and or maybe two sacks in the fourth quarter well i mean the game ended on a sack right and um Mm -hmm. and then before that it was van ness put them in that situation. Um, they played okay. You know, Matt Hankins, he did have a tough day. He, he really did. He was getting picked on in a way that we haven't seen him get picked on since Purdue. But it's, uh, you know, <laughs> otherwise can't believe Matt, Jack Campbell. I can't believe he's playing against Illinois this week. That was, I mean, that's textbook targeting. If you're not, oh, gonna call, if you're not yeah. going to call that targeting, like why is a rule written? Um, I, he got, Super lucky. Like, yeah. I mean, I I think that Thad had the the case that his head was up. It was up, but it was still the crown that hit him in in my view. And yeah, I was lucky to have Jack Campbell. And but otherwise, you know, it's Ben don't break shit. If people are saying Phil had a bad day. It's like, I sure like he didn't have a great day, but I don't think he had a bad day. Like, like I said, he held an opposing quarterback to under 200 yards of passing, you know, he, uh, like the, the running stuff is unfortunate really, but it's, I don't, he, I mean, they, he did get burned. Like they called that um, as if you were just harping on Brian for calling a tunnel screen, 10, one out of every 10 times. How many times did Minnesota call that toss and shotgun formation? It, it was working though, man. Right. I get, I mean, yeah, that is the difference. <laughs> so like, how, I guess like, why isn't that sort of snuffed out better? But, I'm not, you know, it's not like they gave up 40 points to the crappy Minnesota team. Yeah, I mean, they they held them to enough points, and as we discussed Furthermore, at the top of Phil this... Phil looks better if Iowa scores another touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that knows, that's part of it, too. Uh, they're aided by, by pajamas as well, though. Got like, Man, two times inside the five... Iowa just caught a break. Like, that's just ultimately my takeaway is, like, man, Iowa won a game they probably shouldn't have won. I haven't seen the stupid post, the post-game win expectancy. Probably going to I actually did. I was going to bring that up because I, oh, I, I can't totally, I don't know what that exact stat is, but the ones I saw, what is it? Is it EPA? Is that the, is that, what it was, what is the stat they use for expected success? It was like Iowa's was incredibly bad, but Tanner Morgan's was minus seven. And it's like, I don't think, and I think Bill Conn was like, there's never been a quarterback who's won a game with a minus seven EPA before. 
So yeah, that's just sort of the adva- about right. Even the advanced stats sort of had Iowa winning that game with how bad Tanner Morgan looked. <laughs> Wild stuff. Wild stuff. So as we look ahead to Illinois, do we want to discuss the Tyrone Tracy stuff? Do you? Because I'm. I'll be honest. I don't know what this deleted tweet is. I asked in the Slack. Nobody answered me. Oh, I think I had. Is it I the? Is it the? It. Is it the? Is it the? It was just the. Is one it the Swiss Army knife tweet? Because I saw the that. Swim, the Swiss Army knife. That was the one. Yeah. That's the most like anodyne G-rated thing. I can think of. Like I. I mean, I feel there. Look. Well, I'll just say about Tyron Tracy is I've got nothing bad to say to say about him. We've tried. I was definitely tried to get him the ball this year. He's dropped it a couple of those times, but like that's not his fault. I mean, of course, yes, that's his fault, but like, not he hasn't dropped it at such a rate where it's like he should never see the field again. Um, unlike other you know receivers we've had um, who didn't see the field after, you know, um, it's been a while since somebody's been like that. I mean, Tyrone Tracy, like it's so just weird where I think his like best year is either his freshman or sophomore year. And then I thought for some reason I thought he was a junior or a senior this year, but he's only a junior and Mm -hmm. he's just sort of regressed. And in the beginning of the year, it sort of felt like it was a function of Iowa's offense and, you know, Petrus maybe had his favorite guys and all that. But now with two games and, you know, I sort of thought he, you know, he had his coming out party against Northwestern a few years ago when he was starting for Brandon Smith, I think in a game in 18 or 19, Kind of thought I was going to replicate that again, and it didn't happen. If it's not going to happen this year, I just it, it's just not going to happen. Um, I don't know if this is true. I saw a tweet that he didn't go to practice today. If if he did, if that's true, I mean, that's bad. But here's the thing. It's like Keegan Johnson needs to see the field more, and there is collateral damage to that fact. And I'm, and I, you know what? I, you know what? I think in years past – sort of the union card argument comes out for Kirk Ferentz to his credit. He can't, he he's, he's ignoring that him Tyrone Tracy punching the clock because by all accounts, he's a great teammate, great person. You know, it's sad to see, it's sad to see when the parents and the family of players say the things they're saying on Twitter, which I don't even know. I haven't even seen any of those tweets either. I just know they're out there. I know they Mm -hmm. they don't say good things about the coaching staff. Um, it's, It's just, you know, that's out of the player's control. And you just have to feel bad for him because, you know, I think him and Tyler Goodson were such goals. And at the same time, too, Tyler Goodson also, like, he's not having the season I expected or he he expected to have. But, like, the thing is, he he's the starting running back and he will be again next year, too. So, like, there's the opportunity for him to get better. If, if Tyrone Tracy, what tell what what's telling him that next year is going to be better for him when Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce are in the playbook even more and spend more time in the weight room and get better uh, acquainted with Iowa's quarterback, you know? So it's just, he's sort of on the outside looking in and it, it's, it's unfortunate for him. And just hope doesn't, you know, I just hope he doesn't transfer to a big 10 West team. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have much to add other than like, I think it's so tough for college athletes who have higher aspirations than just doing their best that they can in college actually playing in the NFL and clearly that's part of where he's coming from is he thinks he's, he's an NFL player rightly or wrongly 
and he views Iowa as a roadblock versus an enabler to that. Um, but ultimately, as you said, like as players are emerging around him, you got to play those guys. Like you got to play Keegan Johnson. Charlie Jones is showing you got to play him. Um, Tyrone Tracy hasn't been used in a way that he should be used. And that's on the staff. Um, but like, as I was kind of going through this, not really a statistic, a compilation of statistics, like rushes plus completions minus sacks. And when you put it that way, they're like at Iowa, 50 plays where a playmaker, including quarterback runs, ends with the ball. And I don't think he's being used correctly in that respect, but it's also like he's got to help himself. Um, and, And part of that is I think he was almost too team first, the, the first couple years where he was a guy who was willing to play multiple positions, do what was needed to help the team win instead of like hunker down and say, I'm a slot guy and just play that role. Because if, if we've found out everything about Brian Ferentz, he is just so spotty in his ability to use those types of players that sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. But if you're at best inconsistent for a guy like Tracy, it's just, it's tough. And like you said, to me, the no brainer is that we're going to see him in uh, black and old gold at Purdue. And he's going to do something against Iowa. That would be, if I had to make a bet right now, that would be it. But maybe, maybe finishes out at Iowa. We'll see. Yeah, I think Kirk and I'm trying to think of. We don't know if he's ever put any restrictions on where players can transfer to, right? I'm off the top of my head. I mean, recently we we have who's a corner who's playing at Kansas State now. Oh, Brents Julius Brents is at Kansas State. The other corner, DJ Johnson. Oh, he went to Purdue. I was going to say, okay, so there's president. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. There's president of uh, players going in conference, you know, in her division even. So, I don't know. It's it's cart before the horse thing. I wish, really hope for the best for him. I mean, but uh, I don't think you mentioned a little bit on your anecdotes there. It's like if you think you're an NFL wide receiver, then don't don't go to Iowa. But I I really yeah. hope Keegan Johnson and Robin Bruce aren't listening to this, or um, or uh, who's the legacy receiver? ISM. No, no, no. ISM. <laughs> oh, oh, Casper. Yeah, Kevin Casper. Hey, son. hey, hey. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Kevin Casper. He was the last prior to Amir Smith Marset and Marvick McNutt. He was the last Hawkeye drafted in the that FL draft. What about Tim uh, Dwight? Was he drafted after Tim Dwight? B- yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Casper played under Kirk. All right, which mm. brings us to the coup de gras. I'm so excited for the Illinois game. It's gonna be just devastatingly ugly, and I can't wait to be there. Yeah, so tell everybody you're going. Does, he, yeah, does your so, family I mean, have tickets, or do you StubHub these? Or No, so it wasn't even a StubHub deal. They were still available in uh, in through the website. Mm, Iowa Box 60 Office. Bucks. Nice. I know. Iowa Box Office, uh, just hanging out in the south end zone. I wanted to get tickets in, in the new digs. Um, 
and, and was able to get them. That you know, I, I prefer sidelines typically, but um, I think these will be up high enough that I'll be able to see the field. And plus, when you see it from behind, you can see plays develop a little differently than than on the side. So, super excited about going. Um, can't quite decide if I like the 1 p.m. time. I think I do because it means that um, I won't feel as rushed before the game. That's always a problem, especially when you add on to it that, um, you know, if I want a beverage at the game, I'm able to do that now instead of having to try and, you know, sneak a couple White Claws into my my wife's uh, uh, Hunter boots or whatever. Last time I was in, Kinnick was in the south end zone. And yeah. uh, that was the Ohio State-Iowa game. Got a very nice seat to Amani Hooker. Ooh. And on that pick six. Um, so it's a good spot. Hopefully it'll bring you some good luck. Wait, is it, is it, is it the north end zone? That's, is it actually the north end that's, zone? That's the not, new one's the north? The new one's the south, I thought. Ah, uh, well, I got it in the new one. North North is the student section, is it not? Oh, okay. Oh, God. I'm going to have to fact check oh, it. Fact my check myself. Okay. Oh, now I'm going to be ticked if I'm actually in the wrong one. No, yeah. I think I'm in, the, I'm in the correct one. Yeah. Um. Nonetheless, Ben... Uh, Brett Bielema, maybe certainly the eye or the, the apple to my eye this season. Um, here's what concerns me. A, a few different things. Um, there are some gambling stats that are in Wisconsin's favor. Or Wisconsin, man, Illinois' favor as it pertains to this. Um, the one that I am most excited for is after a loss, the under is 6-0 for Illinois football games. So looking forward to that. Uh, But I think that the thing that scares me, as we kind of mentioned before, is Brett Bielema is not going to try and out Ference Kirk. He's going to try and out Fox him. And I think the thing you mentioned explicitly was what you didn't see from Minnesota, you're going to see from Illinois, as he demonstrated against Penn State, which was a lot of offensive linemen back there just trying to eat Iowa's tiny defensive line. And that's that's something that scares me. And I think if if I had to pick a game that Iowa's more likely to lose between Illinois and Nebraska, I think I'm, I'm going to pick Illinois, actually. As of now, yes, simply because <clears throat> Nebraska, it just, you know, I don't think they're not going to be, I think bowl eligibility is out of the question now, right? For Nebraska, they're, they're at um, three wins still. Um, Correct. So, like, they're not going to get ball eligible. They're not going to be fighting for that against Iowa. It just feels like a sort of tough situation for them, whereas, like, Burt, I think, is going to get his team up ready for for Saturday. Um, I hate how I was favored by so many points. You know, Illinois has played everybody tough this year. I mean, so has Nebraska, too. But it's just sort of a gas-in-the-tank situation for them. It's going to be its homecoming for Iowa. You know, Brett's going to use that to his whatever advantage he can. Um, and Illinois is sort of a, a probably, honestly, they're a team that kind of reminds me a lot of Minnesota. Um, just ride or die with a running back, really good offensive line, shaky quarterback play. But I think Peters and, and or Satowski, I think they're riding with, I think Satowski's out for the season, right? Yeah. Um, so Peters is going to ride him. He's probably playing, playing a little bit better than Morgan, not that that's saying much. Um, do they, they don't have the receivers Minnesota does, but still, um, it's 
And then, of course, top of the hour, Bert kind of owns Kirk recently. So, well, however recent you can get. And we, we like him a lot. You know, we stand for him. And, you know, not too long ago, we wanted him to be this, the Iowa's next head coach. And maybe not too long from now, we're going to be saying the same thing. Um, <laughs> so this does scare me for a lot of reasons. I'm really glad it's at home, but I'm not feeling it's much more confident about the Minnesota game because of simply because of the coaching. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It just, it just comes down to the coaching. And I think while Fleck has proven to be like maybe a B plus version of Kirk Ferentz, I think not style it, not like in his mannerisms and whatnot, but like in how his football teams look like Brett Bielema is Brett Bielema. Uh, I think that that, he, he's his own guy. He's kind of shown that with what he did at Wisconsin. Your mileage may vary, I guess, and if you're going to put a lot of eggs in the Alvarez basket. Um, but, you know, he did things his way in Arkansas and had some success, but not not great success, even though I want to say he, he had some success. But I think what you're seeing, if you're an Illinois fan this first season, is what you want to see with Brett Bielema as your head coach, like to your point, you're in every game. The defense is pretty rock solid. I think that that was something I was looking at where like Illinois scoring defense is really quite good. Once you take out their first two games, like a lot of teams have been held under 20 points. Um, I was in exactly a type of offense that you feel like, Oh, they can go out and score 30 points on anyone. So that's got, that's scary. And, and when, when you play games, in the teens, like I think this one's probably going to be the over unders at what thirty eight, I think thirty eight and a half. You know, it's just a, such a small margin for error against a team that Iowa has outclassed in the past, but might not be able to. I expect a grinder. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be fun to watch again. It's going to be if you, the exact if it was like the exact same outcome. As Minnesota game, I wouldn't be surprised, except for I feel like Kirk might go for the touchdown this time because I think he, I think he, well, not even that. I think he respects, I think he absolutely respects Burp more, at least he fucking better. Otherwise, guess what? We're going to win and we're going to be mad online again. Uh, the, the mad online after wins got to love it. My friend, it's the first. This is the first it. year it's ever happened, right? I'm trying. I can't remember ever being upset after a win. I think, um, you look back to me. 2019 was an interesting season because I don't think I was ticked off after the Purdue win because that one was so ugly, and it's like keeping them around, and the Illinois win, but it's. This is why I felt like 2021, like the best version of it, almost follows the 2019 template. <laughs> Brandon, Peters was where, a, Brandon Peters was a quarterback for that Illinois win, too, I'm pretty sure, wasn't he? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And it's like, this is such a team like built in Kirk's image where scoring points is just... They almost do it out of... I joke, but like it's like they almost do it because you just have to do it to win. They don't do it because you can score points. It's because it, it's it's what helps you win. It doesn't make it any more fun. Um, 
so I think that like you you get to where this season's going to end up, whether it's nine and three, ten and two, eight and four, and it's like Iowa just kind of got what they deserved. Like I mean, it, but it was kind of better than I thought it would be, or so it's kind of hard to be mad about the aggregation of it. And that's how 2019 felt because 2019, I was just so ticked off about how some of those games went. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, there, there are nine more wins in Kirk Ferentz's bank account. Pun, pun intended, I guess. I can't even remember 2019. I'm so mad about 2019. It's because I think I went back in the comments a few weeks ago and figured out there were, I think, 13 NFL players. Yeah. Yeah, that team was that so te- loaded. It was stacked. There were 13 or 14 NFL players on that team. You know, granted, some of them were true freshmen. And, like, I was counting Tyler Linderbaum, I think, and um, Mike Kerner and, um, and uh, like, Moss and Hankins, like, guys who were on the team, technically, but didn't really play a lot. But, like, the fact of the matter remains, like, that team won nine games of the Big Ten West, and there there are 14 NFL players on the roster, like, at least – like, are you kidding me? That's talk about malpractice. We haven't said that again. We haven't said that yet this week. Yeah, that's malpractice. I, I think if this is probably offseason content where like we go through each season, was this closer to the floor, or the ceiling of what that team could have been? 2018, 2019, two teams with such incredibly high floors that to come away with only 17 regular season wins and not being serious contention for a Big Ten West. I mean, that was the floor. And they slept on the floor every night like dogs. Yeah. yeah. Basketball minute, my friend. Yeah, I haven't seen a single, even on like Twitter. I haven't seen any. Oh, you haven't even seen the Keegan highlights? On Not Twitter? really, no. I'll be honest, I haven't really looked for them, but they haven't come across so, my TL yet. Okay, so I'm going to keep it to as close to a minute as possible because I – They've played Longwood and UMKC at this recording. And, like, to me, the takeaway, as always, is just, like, Fran's ability to just be an offensive genius. I think we can once again say that he's done that. And one, Rebracha being a real guy at the five, I think he's fitting in well. He's only going to get better because... You know, this is his coming up on his third game uh, before we're recording that he's played in a Hawkeye uniform. So he's going to get better in his role, in my opinion. Keegan, though, like if he has a legitimate three-point shot, there really is a chance that like Stephen Pardo's prediction of him being the Big Ten player of the year might come to fruition because a 20-point player in the Big Ten is going to be very close to the top of that list. And if Iowa can be in the top four to six, he might he he might do it because like he's just I can't get over how smooth he is, how controlled he is, how athletic he is, all in one player. It really just I feel compelled to go to a basketball game when we're back in Iowa City just so that I can watch him live. Um, so that's that's my basketball minute. Keegan Murray is the truth. Rabracha was the only other player I mentioned. And the, they have to figure out the bench. I mean, that's that's the other thing. They have to figure out the bench because that's been a struggle. But 
you know, you're, you can afford to struggle against some of these teams as Iowa when you have a starting lineup like Iowa does. I mean, so I was reading like some mock drafts and like Keegan's on them for the NBA. Yeah. And I was thinking, and you can, I want you to push back on this if you think you can, like for talking about like we we're going in, I was sort of a bubble team. We'll see, but it's like to make a run of the tournament or it'd be like solidly on the inside looking out. You only really need one of those. You only need one of those players, right? I think so. Um, okay, but especially here... if you have the right pe- if you have the right people around him. Okay, because yes. like you you look at a team like Washington, and this is always kind of what I compare to Iowa State to was like late stage Romar at Washington, where they got they brought in so much talent, but could never put it together. Like they had two first round draft picks in the same season and they didn't do anything. Um, they had like an eight and 24 record. So you need, if you have one guy, you have a very good shot, but you need the right team around him to sustain it. So having him there, like I think what Jonah said that Iowa was like 34th in terms of AP points sounds about right. I'm glad you said guys are on them because I was going to use the data point against what I just said. Uh, look at look at look at Anthony Edwards in Georgia, right? He was an yeah. overall pick, and like I think Georgia yes. won ten games, and and the SEC is horrible. So that that's the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like having an NBA first rounder is a great start to a team, but you you still need the right pieces around them to, to get to where you want to go. And, and I think maybe more succinctly, when you have that NBA talent in a one game setting, that probably gives you a better chance to advance than maybe past Iowa teams, because he fits more the NBA style mold in terms of like big athletic, talented player versus like Luca Garza. He's going to have a 10 to 15 year NBA career. But by sheer work and guile, I mean, like, he's he's plotting if you watch any highlights um, that feature him. But he works his tail off, and he can score the basketball. So he's going to be around a while. Keegan Murray, though, NBA athlete. He really is. <clears throat> and, you know, I said last week, are you nervous about lack of three-point shooting on this team? I mean, Murray's at 60%, but, you know, he's at 70%. Should, yeah. should, I end, should I end the podcast there? Yeah. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Jordan Bohannon. Mm-hmm. That's it. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.